again to you. Welcome to the borough at Pittman Park. We are so glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us uh, in this space this morning. And um, as you probably know, we are in week two of our sermon series called All You Can. And, and that uh, title comes from a quote by John Wesley that says, uh, in our approach to money, we should learn to earn all we can, save all we can, and give all that we can. But before we get to our scripture text this morning, and what Wesley has to say, I want you to hear some words uh, from a poet that you may know, an unexpected poet that speaks into our world. So take a listen in just a second. One of my favorite bands and one of my favorite songs of all time. says that I have climbed the the highest mountains, I have run through the fields, I've run, I've crawled, I've scaled city walls, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Have you ever felt that way? Like you have looked in a thousand different places, in a thousand different moments for, for whatever it is but you haven't been able to put your hands on it. Have you ever been in that place where you're searching for something, you're searching for for meaning or for purpose or for for whatever, and and you just feel like you can't take hold of it, like you can't grasp it? A lot of times that has to do with what we're looking for in the first place. We look for life in all sorts of strange places. We look for healing and wholeness and peace and joy and hope in all sorts of strange places. You know this because you're people. (laughs) We're all people here. And this is a human nature thing. We look for life and for peace and all sorts of things that we think will satisfy us. We try to put our hands on things that we think that we want, but the truth is we keep coming back and saying, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You've heard the words of Bono. Now I want you to hear the words of of St. Paul. (laughs) St. Paul has something to say about this perpetual quest that we are on to find fulfillment. He he says these words in 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10. And Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy who's sort of in a church plant kind of situation. Um, He's ministering to these people who don't know God and he's forming a community um, of faith. And so Paul writes these words to that young pastor, Timothy, Um, as he's sort of out in the field. He says this, he says, of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. There's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. 
But if we have food and clothing, we will be content. We will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into the temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to get rich, some have, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. Paul says that there is great gain, and you can write this down in your notes, there is great gain in godliness plus contentment. There's great gain in godliness plus, plus contentment. Contentment. There's a great gain whenever we not only pursue Christ, but we pursue a life that is satisfied with where we find ourselves. And I don't mean satisfied in sort of a lazy, I'm never going to change, I'm just going to be me, but, but satisfied with who you are as a person, who you are in Christ. There's great gain in godliness plus contentment. And what is that great gain? That's the question I had. As soon as I read this text, I said, well, what is the great, what's the great gain? And I sat and I thought for a little while, well, the great gain that we get whenever we combine godliness, this pursuit of Christ who calls us to himself and redeems us and sends us out uh, full of life and full of hope, the great gain that we get when we combine godliness with contentment is a new perspective on life in this world. And especially as Paul is addressing here, a new perspective on money, a new perspective on earning, saving, and giving. We get a new perspective when we, contain, when we, um, when we combine godliness with contentment. But most of us, we, we never get to practice being content because we're conditioned by our culture to want more. We're conditioned by our culture uh, to be ambitious to the nth degree, to have a newer and a shinier and a faster and a better, whatever it is that you want. You know this is true because what happened this week on Wednesday? You know what happened this week on Wednesday? Apple, that's right, the iPhone 5S was actually released on Friday, I believe, right? Um, But on Wednesday, Apple released a new operating system, right? iOS 7, you know about, some of you know about this, you've got it on your phone already. Um, People were like sitting at their computers. By people, I mean me. I was sitting at my computer waiting to get this update. You know why? Because I wanted to be the first person with it. I want to be the one that said, look, I've got the newest and I've got the shiniest and I've got the fastest. It's an iPhone 4S. I know, I know. But look at this new thing I've got that you don't have yet. You're not up on this. This is iOS 7. (laughs) You're working on a Blackberry, right? Yeah, I got an iPhone. Then people this Friday, what did they do? They went and they stood in line for hour after hour. I mean, they, they stood in line overnight in some places to get a brand new iPhone that is a lot like the iPhone they had in their pocket as they were standing in line. I mean, it's, it's faster, it's prettier, it's gold. Um, but it's not a whole lot different. Let's just be honest. It's not a whole lot different. Because we're not content. We're not, we're not content with what we have. We want the newest, the fastest, the shiniest, the best. 
And because we don't know how to be content, we find ourselves lost and hurting in ways that we could have never imagined. I mean, 20 years ago, you know, when I, when I was 12 years old, I, all I wanted was a cell phone. You know, it didn't have to be smart. It just had to make calls, you know? 10 years ago, same thing. I just wanted a flip phone. I just wanted a flip phone. That'd be good enough for me. A little Motorola, Motorola StarTac. Anybody with me? You wear that thing around your neck? It weighed six pounds. But then I want a smartphone and now I want an iPhone. I want an iPhone 5S. We pursue godliness. We talk about godliness in church, but how often do we talk about being content with what we have and what we've received? How often do we talk about being content with where God has placed us in life, being satisfied with what God has given us and who God is calling us to be? We get hurt in all kinds of ways. When we just practice godliness, but we don't practice contentment. And here's the point that Paul's trying to make, and he spells this out in the text. There is a great temptation for each and every one of us, pastors included, there's this great temptation to want to be rich. Circle the word in your notes. If you've got your bulletin out, circle the word in your notes, want or desire. There is a great temptation to want to be rich, to desire to be rich. Notice I didn't say that there was anything wrong with being rich, okay? There's nothing wrong with being rich. But there is something wrong with this twisted desire that our culture seems to teach us to want to be rich, to desire to be rich. Being rich is fine as long as you have a healthy view of money, wealth, and generosity. Wanting to be rich is dangerous because wanting to be rich only leads you down uh, two paths. There's really only two roads that the desire to be rich leads you down. The first path that the desire to be rich leads you down is the path of ambition. And I mean blind ambition, the the kind of ambition that would cause you to hurt other people to get ahead, the kind of ambition that says, I'll do anything to make sure that I can get a leg up on that person beside me. The desire to be rich will cause you to do things you never thought you would do, say things that you never thought you would say, act in ways that you never thought you would act, all because of this desire this desire to have more because we haven't practiced being content and being satisfied. This path of blind ambition will will take you to work early. It'll take you to work on the weekends. It'll cause you to sell your life. You know, we talk about having a life outside of work. You will sell your life if you fall on this path of blind ambition rooted in the desire to be rich. You will sell your family and you'll find yourself pierced, as Paul says, pierced in all sorts of ways that you never thought you would be because you decided to walk that path. You desired to be rich so much so that you sold everything else, everything that really mattered, everything that really mattered to get another dollar. And it all happens because we buy into this idea that what we really need to have security, what we really need to have happiness and joy in our life is another dollar. And if I have five dollars, six would be better. And if six is good, 12 would be better than that. And if 12 is good, you know, you know, 100,000 would be nice. 
if I can only get to that level. And so you do whatever you can do to get ahead. That's the first path, the, the, the desire, the want, the need to be rich leads you down. The second path, um, and this is a path that Americans know all too well, that we know all too well, that second path is a path of debt. It's the path called debt. There's the path of ambition that causes you to hurt and ruin other people's lives so that you can get ahead. And there's this path called debt that doesn't seem so bad, that's been marketed to us um, as plastic and shiny um, with a free t-shirt if you sign up today or extra sky miles if that's your thing. You either go down the path of ambition or you go down the path of debt. And what you do is you begin to spend more than you make. We talked about earning last week here in the borough and, and over in traditional as well, that earning, that part of what we are called to do as Christians is to earn all that we can. And that is a good practice. That's a great principle for using your giftedness and, and the ways that God has blessed you to earn all that you can. But there's a problem whenever we have this desire to be rich that causes us to spend $1.22 for every dollar that we make, or $1.25 for every dollar that we make, or $1.50 for every dollar that we make. So we buy more than we can afford because we want to keep up the image of being rich. We want to make sure that everybody knows that we've got the newest iPhone. We don't want to be stuck back with an old model. We don't want to have a car from 2002. I mean, come on, who drives a car from 2002? I need that new Escalade. (laughs) I need that new whatever it is, Explorer. I'm guilty of these things too. And so what do we do? We, We spend more than we got. We go further than we had planned. You know, I, I know people that are making twenty and $30,000 a year who enjoy their lives, who pay their bills, who aren't, you know, encumbered by this thing that we call debt. And I know people who make $100,000, $200,000 a year who are on the edge of being bankrupt and their lives are being torn apart because even though they make so much, they've chosen to walk down this path that says you've got to look like everybody else to so spend more than you make. There's great danger in the desire the want, the need to be rich. And so we combine this philosophy that more things and more money bring us happiness with our society's easy access to to credit and, and to debt. And we have a recipe with those two things that will absolutely devastate your budget. My grandmother used to say something about the family budget. She would say that when poverty comes in the front door of your family, the front door of your house, love goes out the back. Some of you know this to be true. That finances cause stress. And that if you choose to pile up debt after debt after debt after debt, that at some, at, at some point, you're going to find yourself in a place that you never thought you would be pierced and hurting in ways that you never thought you would hurt. The average American gets 32 credit card offers a year, regardless of their credit history, regardless of their FICO score. They get 32 offers for a credit card year. The average American family has about $15,000 in unsecured credit card debt. You know, if you just have $3,900, on a credit card, and you pay the minimum balance each month, you know how long it takes to pay it off? Like 42 years. 42 years. 
you end up paying about $14,000 for that $4,000 that you borrowed on credit. A lot of people are in the hole. A lot of people hurt because they haven't combined godliness with contentment. There are good, wonderful Christian people out there who, who are walking this way of godliness, but they haven't found a way to be content and free themselves from the desire, the desire to be rich. Understand, it's not money that's the problem. It's the love of money. It's the love of money's power. It's the love of money's security. It's the prestige that another dollar bill brings you that gets us into trouble. Yet when we learn to not only earn all we can by employing all of our gifts and our graces, but we also save all we can by making some, some measure of contentment in our lives, when we start to be content and we make some margin in our lives, we can find ourselves in the position, in a place to do something and experience something that's truly remarkable. We can experience freedom in a way that a lot of people in our world today don't get to experience freedom because not only if we're earning all we can, not only are we living with purpose and we're living with passion and doing what we're called to do, whatever, whatever that is, but if we're saving and we found a way to be content so that we can put a little money aside, we find that we can live in freedom, free from feeling like we've got to just make it to the first of the next month or to the 15th of this month. The key to learning how to save all you can begins with discovering contentment in your life, discovering satisfaction, taking heed at Paul's words that if, if we have food and clothes, then we're content, then we have all that we need. If we have a house above our head, something to eat and something to wear, then that's really all that we need. Contentment helps us find margin in our lives so that earning doesn't crush us. Contentment helps us save. It helps us set aside part of what we have earned so that when hard times come, when moments of crisis come in our life, and they come about every 10 years, you're going to have a major crisis in your life that's going to cost some real money so that when that hard time comes, you've got some measure of security, some margin in your life, so that your whole life isn't turned upside down. Now, please hear me when I say this. Saving is not the same thing as hoarding. Saving is not equal to hoarding. Some of you uh, know, I'm not going to say some of you are hoarders, but some of you probably know somebody who's a hoarder. Um, sometimes you hoard, um, you know, not intentionally, unintentionally. Um, sometimes you hoard because you have this feeling that you need these things to be secure. But saving, at least in the way John Wesley talks about saving, and, and we hear about saving uh, in the scriptures, is not about storing up so much that we have a giant pile of cash or that we have a house full of stuff or 18 cars in the carport, which means you have a really big house. Saving is not the same thing as hoarding. Saving, whenever you save in the way that John Wesley talks about saving, what you're doing is you're actually creating 
margin in your life so that you have something to share with other people, so that you have something to share with the church or to share in a ministry or to share with that outreach that you feel particularly called to. Maybe it's choices of the heart or maybe it's the better women's shelter. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is, maybe it's the Red Cross or United Methodist Committee on Relief, um, which does like hurricane response, disaster response type things. When we save, we, we don't just save so that we can have a massive pile of cash that will give us security when the hard times come. We also save, we also save that we have something to give when the time comes for us to give in ways that people may not expect or understand. The goal of saving is not to have a huge pile of cash. The goal of saving is to provide margin and insulation between your income and your life so that you are truly free to give and to live as Christ is calling you to give, to live, excuse me. Saving is a part of being responsible for what God has blessed you with. So earn all you can, but save all that you can as well. There's no percentage attached to that Uh, I know there's all sorts of formulas out there for how you can save up X number of dollars and get exponentially rich or whatever, but what I'm saying to you is there's not a percentage that we're attaching to this. What we're saying is earn all you can, save all you can, so that you can be free ultimately, and we're going to get to this next week, so that you can give all that you can, so you can be an extravagant giver and give in ways that make a difference. But to get to that point, to get to giving, you have to start way back with earning. Then you have to move to saving. And then you you begin to give all that you can. So Paul, he says, you know, avoid chasing after wealth. Avoid chasing after money. Avoid the desire and the want to be rich. And then he gives us advice for how we ought to live. This is what he says in 1 Timothy, 11, 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12, the verses that follow right after the ones that we read. He says this to Timothy. He says, But as for you, man of God, shun all of this. Shun the pursuit of riches. It will lead you to a bad place, down the path of ambition or the path of debt. Shun all of that and pursue these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you were made and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul says, listen, the world is saying that you need to live in this way and you need to keep up with these people and you need to have this stuff to matter. God says, listen, if you really want to matter, if you really want to make a difference in this world, don't worry about iOS 7. Don't worry about the iPhone 5S or iPhone 7 or whatever the next thing is. Don't worry about that new car. Instead, concern yourself with righteousness, living a life for God. Concern yourself with faith, with love, love that speaks into your family and into your community and into your world. Concern yourself with endurance and with gentleness. If you pursue those things, then you truly will be rich. Then you truly will be wealthier than anyone else. Earn all you can. Save all you can. 
give all you can. This is my friend, Bobblehead Wesley. And this is his advice to you. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. Not a percentage. Not an amount. Just all that you can. Would you join me in prayer this morning?